Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept these all since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own. Give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It is really annoying when people ask me really good questions when I have no idea what I'm doing. You see, I have, uh, I have one of those minds where uh, I get ideas and projects and uh, crafts that they look great in my mind. Uh, I just have no ability to turn them into reality. Uh, so wh whatever's in my mind, I, I can never translate it into actually making it or drawing it or building it or, or, or some kind, some, at all kind of bringing it into any kind of reality. So, um, so my life is, is kind of a journey of um, making a whole lot of mistakes, uh, adjustments, and then just being okay with the way that things turn out so very differently than how I imagined. Now, sometimes things turn out um, a lot better than anything that I ever imagined uh, in my, my own self. And so people will come up and be like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. How did you come up with that? And I'm like, I don't know, no idea. Uh, and then other times uh, I might get involved even in like a landscaping project or something like that. And uh, I might be two or three days into this thing and my wife comes out and says, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm just as eager to find out as you to kind of see how this turns out, right? So I, I have a lot of questions in my life. Life is full of questions. It's uh, full of really not having easy answers to how things turn out. We get involved in situations and, and sometimes they just fall apart. We feel like life is going well. We feel like we have all the answers and then all of a sudden things come out of left field and, and just kind of destroy any plans that we have. And all of a sudden uh, we are filled with more questions than answers. 
And there are those moments where, um, where we're staring at um, sort of this idea that vaguely resembles what we thought was our life, but now all of a sudden it's so very different. And we come alongside God and we take a look at our life and we say, what are you doing? And then God turns to us and says, funny, I was going to ask you the same question. There's a lot of really good questions that we have in life. And sometimes questions, they can clarify things. Uh, sometimes they can give us a little bit more direction. Uh, sometimes they can focus us. They can um, kind of adjust when we're making mistakes or when things aren't going according to plan. But then other times, questions are really just the insecurity or the vulnerability that we have in our lives, just bubbling up, desiring to know that God still notices us. Have you noticed that my life doesn't at all seem like what we thought it was going to turn out to be. And so over the last week and over the couple weeks to come, we're looking at questions that everybody from disciples to skeptics to outcasts to even people that sound a little bit like us, they're bringing questions to God. They're bringing questions to Jesus as he's going from town to town, as he's, as he's in Jerusalem, and he's, he's in the midst of this uh, life and journey of what it looks like for God to come down to us that looks so very different than anything that we originally imagined. And we don't always get good answers to our questions. We, we never typically walk away from asking God a question, feeling like we have the magic words that are going to all of a sudden make everything better. But what we do have is knowing that God is with us. That those fears, those vulnerabilities, those insecurities that we bring to a God that knows that when our life feels like it's coming apart, that God realizes that life is just now beginning. That we're all a work in progress, but we're a work in progress of something that's eternal. Our lives and our stories being woven together with God. So in our scriptures today, we, we find Jesus about to go on a long journey. So at this point in the first nine chapters, kind of leading up to where we are now, uh, kind of like where we started last week, is Jesus has been um, beginning his public ministry kind of uh, around the area where he grew up. So he's been around the Sea of Galilee. He's been around Nazareth. He's, he's been around some of these fishing towns and some of these villages and some of these uh, olive farms and uh, kind of agricultural and, and fishing communities. And, and he's been teaching about the kingdom of God. And so some of the parables that we've heard uh, from last week and some of the ones that, uh, that we've kind of led through to get to here is that the kingdom of God is... Uh, like a sower who sows seeds, or the kingdom of God is like a light in a basket, or the kingdom of God is uh, like a small mustard seed. And he's been giving these different images of what the kingdom of God is like. But, but over the last couple chapters to where we are today, Jesus' teaching has taken on a lot harder of an edge. It's stirring up a little bit more questions. Because all of a sudden, what was met metaphor, what was parable, what was puzzling to them, 
is now all of a sudden Jesus teaching about sin. Jesus teaching about righteousness. Jesus teaching even so much that I am going to die. But I will be raised again. And this stirs up a lot of questions. In fact, at one point, Peter comes up to Jesus and, and he rebukes Jesus for even telling them that he's going to die and be raised again. To the point that Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. There's a lot more confusion about what Jesus is teaching. There's, there's a lot more edge. There's a hardship. There's a lot of questions that really they get so difficult that the disciples just stop asking questions altogether. On the third time that Jesus teaches about his death and resurrection, it says that the disciples are so confused, but they're too afraid to ask questions. To the point that I think Jesus uh, begins to wonder just how much they're wrestling with this. And so he teaches them for the third time that, that he's going to die and be raised again. And they, they go off kind of down the path to the next town. And he noticed the disciples are arguing amongst themselves very passionately. And so he was like, let's get down deep into this question that they have. You know, what are you guys arguing about? And then it says the disciples get really quiet. Jesus has laid out this teaching, this hardship, that, that life will have a series of, um, of tragedy, uh, of difficult events, of suffering, of death, but also a future of resurrection and of hope. And the disciples are like, oh, well, we we're just arguing about which one of us is greatest. They're not even arguing about what Jesus is trying to talk about. They're not even asking the question of what confuses them the most, but is the very heart and soul of the gospel. And not, it's not until Jesus is about to go on a long journey. And this long journey will not bring him back to Galilee again. He's headed towards Jerusalem. He's headed towards the cross. He's headed towards that very destination that he has told them that he's going towards, but none of them have got the questions to really understand it just yet. And so before he takes off on this long journey, before he kind of goes off in these communities and these towns and these crowds that have come to follow him and have come to anticipate his teaching, all of a sudden there's one that rushes up to him before he leaves and says, I have a good question. How do I inherit eternal life? What a good question. Sounds like one of our questions. How do I have an eternity with God? Now here's somebody through kind of every, every sort of glance and understanding seems to have life figured out. Everything seems to be going pretty well for him. Rich young man, but a righteous person. Jesus starts kind of checking off the boxes of righteousness, right? He says, you know the law, uh, thou shalt not steal. The rich man says, 
Check. Thou shalt not commit adultery. The rich man says, check. Thou shalt not defraud anyone. Rich man says, surprisingly enough, check. I've been doing incredibly well for myself. I've been following the commandments. I've been doing everything that the scriptures say that I need to do. I have figured out this life, and Jesus, I am here to make sure that I figured out the life to come. Have I done everything to make sure that I have checked the box? And it says that Jesus looks at him and loves him. He looks at him and loves him and then breaks his heart and says, go and sell all that you possess because this was a man that had great possessions. Go and give all that money to the poor. Then come and follow me. And it says that the man was not just surprised. The word is shocked. The word is grieved. The word is he has had the thing that he loved the most called into question. And he cannot bear it. And it says that he turns and walks away. And we never hear from him again. How can such a good question get such a hard answer? And that seems like the type of question that we struggle with. In fact, as a pastor, it's one of the questions that I get more than anything else. In the emails and the home visits that I sit down with people, often the question is, what happens after we die? Or how do I get to heaven? And it's one that I think every single one of us wrestles with because it's that great unknown question that each of us struggles with loss, we struggle with tragedy, and yet we wrestle with this reality of feeling and believing that we are a part of something eternal and bigger than ourselves, but by God, it is hard to see it. How do we inherit this eternal life? And it's true, and it's not faithful to the scripture to jump over the fact that Jesus calls out wealth in a very direct way. But let's not pretend that the things that we hold dear and the things that we place as, as just too much to sacrifice can just be measured in dollars and cents. The power that wealth has is really just to try to shape our world into what we want it to look like. And so when Jesus tells one person to go and to sell all their possessions, there's a calling upon each and every one of us to think about what are those things that we hold too dear to place before and to trust in God's hands. But I think the depth of the question really comes into what do we actually believe eternal life is? Because Jesus says something to the man 
that I think is what really brings it into the, the idea of a heartbroken, grieving reality of the decision that he was really trying to make. That this man came in with a great question of what the horizon looks like. What does the next chapter look like? What does tomorrow look like? What does eternal life after this life look like? And Jesus really turns it around and says, but what does today look like? Because that horizon and that tomorrow and that line that you are feeling will come one day is actually unfolding today. Eternal life is the decision and it's the walk and the journey of what we think and do today. That there is no separation between this life and the life to come. That here is one who is standing in the very presence of the word made flesh. Who is standing in the very presence of the one who came to build and to weave together eternity and include us with it. And he says, how can I be with you later on? Not today, but tomorrow. And Jesus asked, but don't you want that to start today? Don't you want eternity to be something that we start living and building and breathing and giving away today? This story isn't a story about tomorrow. This story is a story of how have our lives transformed today? where all of a sudden we can take all of those experiences and those tragedies and those stories of suffering that seem to crush our life today and we weave them together with a hope that yes, Jesus teaches about death, but he also teaches about resurrection. That there's tragedy in this life, but there is still justice to come. That we are a part of an unfolding story and we get to be a part of that today. How do we get to heaven? We start living it today. We start building it today. And what does that look like? Well, I think it looks like what Jesus shows us in this scripture. That here's a man that comes and says, I want to know how I can be with you. And it says that Jesus looked at him and loved him first. He loved him before he ever even gave him the answer. Heaven looks like turning to those that are around them, that are around us, and loving them as deeply and as wholly as Christ first loved us. The scriptures say that eternal life is for those that believe Jesus and believe in the one that sent him and who live his word. Not just in the life to come, but that work starts today. Eternity is the hope and the actions and the beliefs and the faith and everything that is woven into how we live our lives here today and share things and build things and begin to, to give things freely away that are eternal that look like hope and resurrection, that look like grace and they look like mercy. There is only four scriptures in the Gospel of Mark that have anything to do with eternal life. 
And every time that the scriptures talk about eternal life, every time that Jesus talks about eternal life, he says, don't worry about what I am building right now. Because what I'm building is echoing in what we're doing today and what we are building with our lives. I was driving around uh, with a friend of mine maybe about uh, six or seven years ago. And uh, this young man had uh, lost his wife to cancer uh, probably two years before this car ride uh, that we were just kind of going through some side streets and back streets and really just sitting together in hardship and pain and questions. And this is not a man that goes to church. It wasn't a man of deep faith. In fact, he talked uh, pretty, pretty convincingly about not having any faith at all. But he asked about what is heaven like? And I met him with, with not really a great answer. Instead, I, I met him with some silence. And that question just kind of hung in the air for a good little bit. And I said, you know, I think what heaven is, is a place where we're not disappointed. I think heaven is a place that's worth hoping for. I think heaven is a place worth striving for. And I said, but the thing that I believe most about heaven, it's that it's not a place that we're just waiting to be, but it's a place that we get to be a part of today. And when we're dealing with loss, when we're dealing with tragedy, it's not always a place that we're always ready to just think about what's to happen in the life to come. But where is God in our lives today? And the reality is God is right here with us, looking at us in the face and loving us first. May we be like those that can go and do likewise. And strive not just for tomorrow, but to be those who believe, for those who build, and for those who live in the very reality of the kingdom of God, of the hope, the salvation, the grace and mercy of God today. And so freely give it away for others. I saw a quote on the internet this week, the source of all good quotes, from the famous philosopher Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> and it really stuck with me. He said, we can work for one day, or today can be day one. We can think that one day we'll start to do something, 
or today can be the day one of when we start the work. May today be a day one of just how deeply we love. Just how deeply we love Christ, the one who sent Christ and the way that his word is brought to life within us. And may today be the day that we become agents of hope and agents of heaven that we're a part of giving away so freely today. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me today? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks for this moment and this space because, Lord, we taste heaven because you are with us. Lord, life is full of questions. It's full of those tragedies and those circumstances that are so far out of our control. And those moments that when we scream and ask out for you, what on earth are you doing? God, that you come alongside of us and you say that I am being with you. Lord, that there is no sense that we control the events of this world, but Lord, that we follow after you is something we can do. That we can seek your hope, your grace, your healing, and your mercy. And Lord, in what we feel, what we are filled with, Lord, that we can begin giving that so freely out to the world. That heaven becomes a reality of not just tomorrow, but what we build today. As we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.